Hello everyone and welcome back to the MTG Novels Project 0.4. We'll continue our reading of The Color of Magic, edited by Jess LeBeau. However, I want to give a quick shout out to Coach at the Carbzar YouTube for the idea and inspiration. Check the comments for links to his audiobooks for the first three novels. Full disclosure, I've had a speech impediment earlier in life, which I tried my best to overcome. I also apologize if I find my voice nasally or otherwise dislike it. I'm trying my best to provide you with the best content I'm able to provide. However, this being said, I'd love to hear constructive feedback which corrects pronunciation issue or provides other realistic feedback that can improve the project. Quick legal note. This is an official audio, unofficial audiobook with original content belonging to Wizards of the Coast. This content is covered under the 2017 Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Listener discretion is advised. Today we have our second story in red. Red is the color of release, the hue of outward expression and excitement. It is hard to be indifferent about red. It may be loved or feared, but is seldom disregarded. It is characterized as aggressive, vigorous, and given to impulse and mood. Those associated with red are sometimes accused of lacking patience or possessing a quick temper but red also embodies a fervent passion and feeling for fellow beings. Red is, is signified by fire, blood, lava, and emotion. It manifests itself as bursts of outward expression and outspoken tirades. Red characterizes those who know what needs to be done and aren't afraid to do it, or those who want results and action instead of deliberation and debate. For those who like the cathartic pleasure of flame. So our second story in red is The Crucible of the Orcs by Don Perrin. The mage Elkin stood beside his field commander, General Groth Jonar in the small sitting room off his library. His red robes flowed around him in a garish expanse. He was a young man with a shock of blonde hair and his cowl hung back on his red robes. It had been a hundred years since ice had receded from the lands of Donaria and for thousands of years before that ice had ruled. The Calgidorans had been formed from the survivors of the Advancer Greater Wall, but then had fled east to find a better home, one that would last until the worm world could find warmth again. Those first Calgidorians had settled in a land previously claimed by the Balduvians for nearly four centuries now. The Calgidorans and the Balduvians had been at war. The Balduvians had fared worse than the well-organized, well-trained armies of Kaljador, but Elkin was going to change all of that. Elkin had ambition. He had always sensed that the age-old problem with Balduvian strategy was that no general could risk an army since a force was too important to their survival. An army that, doesn't take, that does not take risk is an army that always loses. True, the Valduvians won many battles, but they never won a campaign. That was why the people were living high in the mountains instead of on the fertile plains now, 
played by Kejaldor, turning the f failing Axum on its head. Elkin came up with the perfect solution. An army of expendable troops could win and keep winning, but at a terrible cost. He needed troops he could throw away and yet have more and more after that. The orcs, he found, were his willing pawns, delivered by their most famous general, Jonar. General Jonar was a tall orc warrior. He always wore his armor, his baton always by his side. The story of his rise to clan's master and general of the orc's army was a long one, and he told it at every battle victory feast. He had a reputation for victory, though that had failed him in his last attempt. He had been disgraced by his defeat at the Battle of Balish Pass, his orcs riding before the might of massed pike infantry. Jonar needed another victory to regain his standing within Baldurvia and within the clans of the orcs. It was the only reason he listened to the young mage. Elkin maintained a small suite of rooms in the sector keep of the Balduvian stronghold. He was a junior mage, and young even for that. Most mages did not qualify for such a position or such rooms until at least middle life. He had gained advancement quickly. Balduvia was under attack by General Varchild and the Keljadoran Knights. Varchild was a new general who was gaining a reputation that was great for Keljador, but was sapping the morale of the Balduvians. It was a time of severe strike for Balduvia, but it was a clear opportunity for an ambitious young wizard. The mage and the general looked over the map for the battle that Elkin had planned. Jonar leaned forward and traced an entire area south of the Buduvian stronghold near their approaches to the Kaljadoran land. The Aaron circled was the most likely place to stop the army as it crossed from the plains and the foothills, below to the high ground of the mountain passes below. They will attack us here, I have no doubt. They must press the pass before we have forces available to stop them. Jonar said, stabbing a finger at the map. Elkin snorted Eric at remark. Why would they attack us here? Kajador does not ha have stupid generals, and I hear this vile child is smarter than most. Why attack us while we have a complete access to the powers of the mountains? They will lure us first into the plains, and use the night to fight us. The point was a valid one. It had been proven in several battles before. Both Kajadoran and Balduvian mages had shown that they could draw mana from the foothills, but the closer a Balduvian mage came to the plains, the more danger he was in. You don't understand, the general retorted. If we know that they will attempt to lure us here, then we will not bite at the lure. Instead, we will feast later at the entrails of their mouth, on their uh, entrails of their mounts, rather. Sorry. You see my point precisely, Elkin replied, undeterred. If we stay in the mountain passes, they will know we are there. They will devise a ways to kill us. General Varchild is no idiot. We must take the fight to the enemy on her ground. She won't be ready for us and will have the advantage. You cannot walk onto flat ground and pretend to have an advantage, Jonar barked. You have not seen the White Knights and their thundering charges. They are a terrible sight to behold. Elkin raised an eyebrow. A little timid, are we? I see that Balish Pass is getting to you. Let me worry about their strategy, General. You worry about the tactical. After all, 
is the strategic that cost you. Your position with the Balduvian Guard. I think the gold I am paying you is easy to compensate you for the risk. Jonard nearly ended it all right there. It had. It would have been simple to draw his dirk and slab it into the major's chest. The wood would have matched the color's robe so well, he thought to himself. After several moments of silent struggle, he was able to regain control over his emotions and let his reason carry the day. I still need all the things that the mage promised. He did not go without a victory, and no one else could provide the funding or the support necessary to provide for an army. He shook his head, cleared it. Very well. Show me your plan again. It was easily the worst plan he'd seen in several years, but it had a glimmer of hope. He thought back to the Battle of Balish Pass. That had been a good plan, but it failed utterly while worse plans had succeeded. If we, he, we can surprise him here on the approach to Mount Delapri, he said. We can fight and retreat into the Mount Pass above, so he won't be able to chase us. You will have stronger magic in the higher ground. You should wait for us here, he pointed to the Mount Pass. And prepare some surprises for those who chase us. The maid nodded in thoughtful agreement. I see you're thinking, General, very well. Now, who do you have at your disposal? The general hesitated. His position in the orc hierarchy had been weakened. I can only count on two clans. The maid shook his head. I am not surprised, General. In fact, I've foreseen this, and arranged for you to augment your force with goblins of the Flarg Mountains. General stood aghast. Goblins? Goblins? I will not work with goblins. It's out of the question. Elkin shook his head. Get used to the dear goblin, General. You'll meet your new allies at, at Balish Pass in two weeks. They will ensure you have my victory. Soon after his meeting with Elkin, Jonah found himself at the head of a large column of soldiers. They'd collected at Lake Balduvia before beginning the march. Two regiments of orcs followed their general. After two days' march through the pass leading south, they came to a large glade on the opposite side of Mount Kiresh from Balish Pass. Jonard ordered camp set up, though it was only mid-afternoon. We camp here. I want clan leadership, Lavash and Jell, to meet me here as soon as they can. Ten minutes later, the two clan chiefs stood before him. Get your climbing gear. We're going to Balish Pass. The two chieftains looked at each other. Both shrugged turned and were back another 10 minutes ready to go. Neither there asked why they were going. It was too delicate a topic to breach with the general, who had been defeated only months ago, just a few miles away. Through the rest of the afternoon, the three climbed Mount Kereshal, came into the south side for the more sunlight. They wound along the upper trail, leading down to Balish Path, just as darkness fell. Through the long climb, not a word had been spoken. Jonar stopped just as the sun dipped between the mountain range. The party had come to a small crater dug into the side of the rock face. Pieces of metal and debris scattered the area, but they were ancient. The head of a venerated clockwork avian was slumped beside the path. The charring on its skull, almost completely corroded, had been replaced by an almost strange stone-like substance. Almost 3,000 years after Brothers' War, Domeria still suffered the effects of that conflict. The shattered ancient mechanical bird was a silent reminder of that war. Darkness fell rapidly in the mountains. The three set up their small tent and brought a cooking fire on the rocky slope. 
there's no trees for cover from there was were no trees for cover from the wind so they built a small wall out of rocks that they piled up to the windward side it kept the fire from going out and stopped the wind from gusting too strongly through the tent it had been pleasant climbing weather while the sun was up now but now in the darkness the temperature began to plummet Jonar pulled three dead chickens from his pack and he handed one to each of the clan chiefs. Where'd you get these? Jell asked, awestruck. Lavesh held his with reverence, usually reserved for holy artifacts. Chickens were rarely, if ever, seen in the mountain region of Baduvia. The air was for, too thin for them to slive. Kejador had no shortage of chickens, and from the hostilities there'd been before the hostilities there'd been just trade for the tasty birds. After the war broke out, chickens were valued as precious commodities. So for some in Balduvia, the lack of chickens was not terribly dire. Through the orcs, it was the moss loss of their most revered food. Journal smiled leaning against the rock. I spies where no one would think to look. It is not easy, but I can get a few of these from time to time. Privilege and ranks and all that. The air temperature dropped as they cooked the birds over the fire. Jonah leaned forward, if it's to tell him a secret. In the valley below, we'll find a key to our victory. Tomorrow we meet our allies, the flower goblins they have sent. Lavash never dropped a chicken to fire. He was so startled. Goblins, he barked out. What the hell are we going to do with them? We orcs have much blind in the past, but it's nothing compared to the goblins. Jonah held up a hand, silence cheapening. Balash path holds many horrors for me, as well you know. I would not brave the elements, the mountain, and the sights I must bear tomorrow. Why not can absolutely convince of the fact that we need the goblins? Without them, we'll be ridden down and slaughtered by the knights from the plains. The other two stared at him with disbelief, their prejudices showing up in their faces. We won't fight with goblins, Jell said flatly. Flesh nodded solemnly beside him. Jordan sat silently for a few mo moments without movement. Finally, he leaned forward before his two chieftains. He spoke in a calm, even tone that frightened the f two orcs far more than any yelling ever could. You will fight with goblins. Not only that, you'll convince your warriors that the goblins are our salvation. Do I make myself clear? Jonar did not mention that it was the mage who insisted that the flower goblins were with Edlai. It was Jell and Lavash's turn to sit in silence for a few moments. Finally, Jell looked over at Lavash. The general was clearly not in the room for discussion. As always, we will do as you command, Lavash said, looking down. That is not good enough, Jonah returned his eyes, gleaming with the passion of his words. You must believe it. Trust me. With the help of those goblins, I will deliver victory that we could not achieve otherwise. The fabulous chicken feast finished silently. Each orc reflected on the other's words. Finally, they retreated to the tent to wait the morning. A mild snow fell in the early hours before sunrise, but it only covered the tent with light dusting. It took mere minutes to pack up and begin descent into Balish Pass. Two hours later, the three orcs came to the site of the battle. Even after three months, the air looked haunted and forsaken. Broken spears stuck out of the snow at odd angles. Borders were sculled by blasts in the magic least at the battle. Jonar walked along a low ridge that served his last stand as his routed forces had rushed past him out over the pass and back to Balduvia. His thought turned to the battle. For the moments, his eyes were there watching. 
He could see the long lines of orcs standing in rank sick deeds, shorts and spears ready for the oncoming Kajolian infantry. When on the enemy coming, the Kajoldorian regiment closed to within a hundred yards, and then suddenly it changed formation. From the rear, pikes were brought forward, and the line shifted from a square with fat flakes in the orcs to a diamond with a point threatening them. The point advanced. Jodo didn't know what to do. He knew the point information had a far greater reach with pikes, and that would split his line in two like a knife through butter. He watched his hoarder as his prediction came true. Jonah tried to plug the line with his own bodyguard of 50 warriors, but they couldn't hold long. Their fight gave the rest of the line enough time to retreat, however. Over and over, he played the moment in his mind. Should he have put back? Should he have enveloped? He ran the battle through his mind. Without warning, an animal skin-covered green goblin rose from the snow not ten yards in front of Jonar. His reverie ended in a flash. Without thinking, he drew his sword. An instinctive reaction from too many years in the martial profession. The goblin eyed him warily. You big General Bossman? Jonar calmed himself and resheathed his weapon. He turned and the other two orcs did the same. You speak orcish very well for a goblin. I am General G Jonar. Who are you? Meet Tamas, clan champion for goblins of the Flower Mountains. Your mage promised us much to fight with you. We m much need this victory, but we much need payment as promised. The goblin eyes strike to slits. You bring? Jonah reached inside his jerkin and brought forth a small leather pouch. He tossed it at a goblin. It hit the ground and sank sl slightly into the snow. Tramas picked up the pouch and dusted it off and looked inside. His eyes went wide. He pulled a dime out a diamond the size of his little fist from the pouch. With a practiced eye, he turned it over and over, expecting every facet. Finally, he put the diamond back in the pouch and dropped it into his home pocket. Jonah took a step forward. Let me introduce my field commanders. This is Lavesh and Jell, my brave and faithful associates. Dudu stepped forward, bowed slightly. Jonah were impressed with the level of respect they showed. Tremas nodded in acknowledgement and mentioned with his right arm. Around the orcs, hundreds of goblins rose from the snow where there had been none. The three orcs stood in awe. None had seen any hint of an entire unit of goblins, let alone right at their feet. I am impressed, Tremas, Jonah said. Very impressed. I have never seen goblins that good. Well, you know, you see, hope I'm not rude in saying. Tremas lifted his hand and stopped the get roll. General, you've never seen goblins look like they could fight. Me, right, General? Again, Jonah was impressed. Right, he answered. Goblin King knows this. Goblins sent to fight so far just by time. Many other goblins, many trains for war. We now ready for war. What you think? Goblins only play cricket? No, no, Jonah packed battle. I think you'll do fine, he swallowed his pride. You will meet us at Mount Delapree. For four days hence. Will you be there? Jonah's eyes bore into the goblin champion. The goblin turned about just as the orc said. We be there. You remember rest of payment? He said. Jonah nodded and turned and walked back the way he had come. Jell and Lavash followed. The march to Mount Delapri took another two days after Jonah and the two chiefs returned to the camp. The orcs moved slowly through the fresh fallen snow in a high pass pulling their carts for the provisions along with them. 
The line stretched out for nearly a mile as the 4,000 orc warriors and attendant families trotted on. Jodor went to each of the clans to tour the troops, show them that their leader was ready to fight. They found soldiers tired from the march, but otherwise in good spirits. They needed to win, to show that they were not disgraced as they had been at Belash Pass. They needed to prove themselves. Jonah could understand their feelings. The disfavor shown to orcs in Belduvia had been a great blow to orc forces everywhere. The clans had fallen in statue and were falling on hard times as the war went on. They could use a victory. Jonah was surprised to hear the soldiers talk of the goblins. A few hardened veterans sneered at the thought of fighting with the diminutive grunts, but many had heard stories that their clan chieftain had brought back. Clearly self and awe the way the goblin could sneak up on an army and ambush it. A few even boasted that they'd seen the goblin king at the Battle of Normund Forest, and he was a sight to behold. Still, the veterans sneered until they saw their general Jonar make a point of telling them all who had listened that the goblins were key to the victory. So the veterans argued, a bad sign indeed, but all had come round to seeing the general's eyes. Every veteran smiled, as if a great secret had been shared with them. The general had a plan, and that was good for them. Once the veterans agreed, the young orbs all jumped on the cause with great fervor to prove that they were just as tough. The next day, Jonah rose early. Next day, Jonah rose early. He couldn't sleep. He could never sleep when a battle was coming. The night before, a messenger had brought news that the Kajelian force was only 15 miles away. Count for the night. Through the night, the flaw goblins were to have harassed the knights, ensuring that they were not well rested for the battle. Almost as if by magic, two goblins rounded a tent and came towards Jonah. He started, but composed himself quickly. I'm truly impressed with your stealth, the general greeted them. They bowed slightly. The one on the right stepped forward. The knights are coming this way, he said. They know you're here. They're ready for battle. Tomas says, tell you we destroyed several supply wagons, killed many in last night raid. Much death. Still they ride. We'll come here midday. Jonah nodded, more to himself than to the goblins, as he thought through his preparations. Good. You tell Tremas to be here with your clan, ready to fight as we agreed. Tell Tremas there's good fighting, bonus for fighting too. The four goblins smiled a big toothy grin. Me get food before go back? Jonah smiled wave on him. Yes, but hurry. The two trotted away, much more interested in food than their message. Still, Jonah thought the message would get through. Tomas seemed to have his troops ripped into shape. An hour before midday, Jonah summoned all officers' conferences at his tent. The officers were both orc clans and chieftains, sub-chieftains, battle bearers, and the family champions all stood in a loose semicircle around the general. Today we fight the dreaded white knights of Kajaldor. The last time we battled them, we did not fare well. We had the advantage in terrain then, so they couldn't mount and they came on us. All of us bear the shame of that battle with us. I more than any. Jonah passed, paused and his words sunk in. I murmured we through the assembled officers. Today, however, will be different. Today we gain, we gain our honor and our glory. And today we take the spoils of war from the damned knights. 
Jordan manipulated the mood of the gathering like a master. He could see the orc's eyes go from flat gray to sparkling blue. He could spell their hunger for victory. He reined them in. We will gain no victory from brash actions, nor from foolish bravado. We will not win by rushing into waves of charging knights. I have a plan for this battle, and you must trust me, your general. Heads nodded. They remembered the ill-fated battle and how it had gone. When I give an order today, you must follow it. Cut down any orc who disobeys. My orders must be carried out exactly and precisely. Any failure will mean our failure. Do I order, and victory will be ours. A large cheer went up from the assembled officers. The two chieftains led their orcs. Cheers for General Jonar, one yelled. Jonar cut him off. Not yet, my brethren. We have won nothing yet. Obey my orders and fight like warriors. We will win this day. Another general cheer went up. After the clans had eaten a late meal, they found battle lines. Each clan stretched for a thousand yards, four ranks deep. The losses from Belish Pass had cut the clan numbers severely. The breeze rose from the lower ground ahead of them. Fur cloaks and tassels flooded off every warrior's armor. Each warrior bore his own personal weapon. All, however, carried spears and a shield, bearing the emblem of clans. The sun was bright in a clear blue sky, but there was a little heat. Between the two regiments stood Jonar. He had a small bodyguard of twenty orcs, the largest orcs in any clan. One carried the bell standard of Balduvia. It was a tattered old flag, and officially they were no longer allowed to carry it. But one could not stop them this day. The orcs in charge of the baggage train packed up all they could, prepared to move the most lotus. They're ready to run in case the enemy began to win the fight. If the army won, they'd provide all the services next to an army, food, medical attention, ale, and lots of it. They trod a fine line. Too cautious, and it looked like they lacked confidence in their own army. Too cavalier, and the enemy could ride them down in a minor breakthrough. The carts weighed in excess of two tons each, and could only move at a slow walk especially up a mountain pass. The furs covering the stores looked inviting and warm, but they offered no shelter if the enemy broke through. Jonah waited for the white hordes to come over the low rise to their front and began descent into battle. No spices, not today, he whispered to himself. Nonetheless, the arrival of Elkin startled him. The mage rode from the rear, down the mountain approach, and through the lines of the baggage train. He dismounted and stood up to Jonah's command. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be ready to aid us up the mountain path. Some ten miles from here. Jonah's face flushed with anger. I am your commander, and I address me with respect I am due. Elkin started, stated with a haughty air. I am here because this is my army and my battle. I do not think you understand the whole reason for my excursion. The mage continued. I have prepared some very unpleasant surprises for anyone who breaks through the, to the pass with a Kajorian knight or running orc. I felt it would better use here. Jonar, disgusted, turned back to watch for the enemy in the front. The Kaljandorian knights came over the low ridge and trotted to a halt. Jonar felt a silken feeling in his gut. Two regiments of heavily armored soldiers stretched along the horizon. Each mount wore the livery of its knight. Each knight wore the bark of the Kajaldor on his shield. And from each lance, a small banner or favor fluttered in the wind. The blue and white checkerboard pattern on the shields and banners was striking in the midday sun. 
plate armor shone with an unearthly glow as the sunlight glinted off every facet. Jonah looked nervously along the line, far shorter than the cavalier line, but much more densely packed. His soldiers stood full deep, while the cavalry were in one or two rows deep. The numbers looked roughly equivalent, which still gave the knights a huge advantage. A faint whisper grew among the ranks of orcs as they absorbed the sight before them. Soldiers requested equipment out of nervousness. Eyes shifted around, looking, was looking for support in their fear. The knights waited until the command group joined the two regiments. The commander, a mage in white robes, sat next to an armored officer who was mounted on a fantastic black charger. The giant standard of Kijador fluttered in the wind from the standard bearer direction to the officer's rear. The command group trotted out ahead of the knights and turned in the main to address the white army. Alkin snickered beside Jonar and began to cast a spell. A second later, lightning flew from his fingers and arced across the field to the enemy's command group. Two of the guardard's lights were thrown from their mounts, and two more were shaking, and the started fluttered high, and the rest were untouched. The white robe mage turned. He faced his enemy across the field. His hands flew up in the air just as his words broke into a shout. Energy shot between his hands, and electrical tendrils shot out at the snow around him. Jonah looked at Elkin. A look of stunned horror was on the wizard's face. He sh shuddered then, uncontrollably convulsing. Suddenly the stitching stopped, and a look of triumph spread across the mage's face. Elkin threw off the magical attack. He rose to his full height and launched a bolt of fire that arced unerringly across the field towards the other mage. An explosion of fire engulfed the skullcaster, who crumpled into flames as his mount screamed and bolted from the field. The old command staff and bodyguard had all backed away from the mage. They were trained soldiers, but it under, did not understand, nor would they interfere in the ways of mighty warriors. Their problems were their own. Jonah had stepped back too, impressed. Jal trotted up to Jomar. What is it? What had happened? He sounded panic. Evidently, he had seen a magical exchange between the mazes, but did not know the outcome. Jonah kicked at the stone. Or... Our mage is better than I had envisioned. It may be... Damn. Jonah heard from the behind him. Alkin looked down at his shaken hands. What? What is it? Jonah asked. Noted the fear in the mage's voice. Elnor shook his hand, head bitterly. I may, I may have destroyed the damn mage. But he drained the very matter from me. I won't be able to cast another spell at least an hour. In that time, Jell looked frightened. Jonah lifted his head. We had not expected you at this battle, mage, he began, but Elkin cut him off. Just do your duty and die like a good orc, he raged. Win me this battle. Hold them off for an hour. They will be spent, and I will rain death upon them. Jodor stared at him contemptuously. So the orcs were there to be sacrifices for the mage's greater glory. He looked back to the chieftain. Get back to your clan, and don't do a damn thing until I say... At that moment, the murmuring in the ranks rose to a cacophony. Both officers turned to see what happened. Across the field, attention centered on the enemy command group. The far-flawed goblins, nearly forgotten by everyone, had mysteriously riven from the snow around the enemy group. They had pulled down the standard and held the bodyguards from the mounts, but the enemy commander fought violently, trying to break free. Just as suddenly it appeared, the goblins broke from the fight and ran. 
ran straight for the orc line. The distance between the opposing forces was nearly a mile. Jonah saw his chance. With his loudest drill voice, he gave the order, Advance! The ten assembles drummers began. Behind him relayed the order. In a flourish of pounding drum notes, they settled into a deep cadence, slow but threatening. The orcs lurched around forward. They had not expected the order to advance, but they quickly recovered and the ranks straightened. Across the field, the knights had rallied once the goblins broke off. The mighty commander bellowed an order. Trumpets carried a field of the notes. They too began to advance. Jonah shouted orders to the left and right to straighten the line, to tighten up. Both Jell and Ravesh were yelling too, maintaining the cohesion of the ranks. It was a practice maneuver, but not all the orcs had remembered what to do. The steel of armor clinked over the stretched leather, and the sound of 4,000 pairs of boots slumping into the snow brought back memories for Jomnar. A Balish pass. The far goblin spread across the field slightly faster than the pursuers. The two lines had closed to half a mile, and the goblins were only 500 yards out. When the goblins had closed to 100 yards, Jomnar ordered a halt. The soldiers brought their shields up and straightened their lines as best they could, trying to catch their breath. They closed together and locked shields. When the first goblins were 20 yards from the orcs, Jonard yelled, Spears! Nearly in, user, in unison, the entire line thrust spears forward and planted in the snow against their black foot. The goblins saw only spears and shields. The goblins slowed, then stopped, unsure of what to do. They faced half-mile-long porcupine spear-pointed protruding at all angles, making it impossible to retreat through the lines. Jonard grasped the moment, Cheer for the goblins. A hearty cheer dripped from the orc right across the line. It start slowly built it started slowly but built in intensity. No orc had ever seen goblins who could fight like these flogs had. Their cheer was genuine, but the orcs weren't about to let the goblins off the hook. Alkin appeared from the rear. What is it? What are you doing? he gasped. A breath from the run. Joma smiled at the war contained from lights. Goblins, or most of them, don't speak orc, he said with a broad smile. Algodins understand. The knights seeing the goblins bawled by their own allies, broke into a charge. Horns rang out perfect notes, announcing the charge. Snow flew up over the charging riders, kicked up by the thundering marks. Goblins panicked. They turned, saw the cavalry, turned again, saw the peers, and turned once more. Their only help, hope laid through the cavalry, or so they thought. The goblins ran forward towards cavalry in small groups keeping as low as they could. The knight's charge hit the forward edge of the goblins, tore them apart. The goblins tried to fight, but were too short to effectively engage the knights without element of surprise. Many turned to run back to the orcs once more, but were skewered in the back as they tried to run. Algar began to well, what have you done, he screamed. Why have you sacrificed them, you heartless bastard? It was you who were going to sacrifice us, wasn't it, mage? The yellow jaw back at Ekin, Jonah shoved him off to the side. The general ran in front of the line. In his best parade voice, he yelled, Are we going to take this slaughter? Are we going to allow this to go unanswered? The hearty yells near drawn up by fighting not a hundred yards to the front. Then charge! The drummers had waited for the command. In unison, they began to beat the quick staccato of the attack order. The orc line leaped forward. The cavalry had broken down into small fighting groups, each chasing goblins in one direction or another. Their commanding yelled to pull them together. 
but he could not be heard. A handful of knights readied themselves to receive the orcs. Two thousand orcs came on. They had to cover only a hundred yards to close with the enemy. The knights had not rallied, were caught off guard. Orcs sprang on their backs, pulling them down from the marts. They speared others, both beef and rider, fallen in unison in death. The battle flowed out around the 200 remaining knights in the center. They formed a tight circle, lances pointed out defensively, just as the orcs had done previously. Their commander now holding the Kajaran standard stood in the main middle. Jonar waited. The battle lasted only a few minutes. A hundred knights fell. No more than 20 orcs met the same fate. The remaining knights broke off contact with the orcs and retreated 500 yards before they turned and faced their enemy. The blue and white checklord literally was spattered with blood and grime. Even the army center was ripped in two. The survivors, numbering fewer than 100, formed a battle line again. Jonah and his standard bearer walked across the intervening 500 yards, right up to the lance point of the first knight, and stopped. The knight had murder in his eyes, but discipline had kept him in check. The commander rode forward. I am Sir Machand, knight commander of the Order of the Griffin and Phoenix, he saluted solemnly. Jonah removed his bell helmet and bowed. I am Jonar, general of Balduvia and commander of the Orc clans. I am willing to offer terms of surrender. Elkin was only a step behind. What? You can't be serious. I am in command here. The mage never finished his center. Jornor turned and slapped his sword into mage guts, thrusting upwards. The blood did not show in the mage's ruby robe as he fell forward. Jornor pulled the weapon free. He wiped his weapon on the snow, then on the mage's robe before returning to the scabbard. Why? Elkin grasped. Jornor shook his head in disgust. You were going to sacrifice us to win the battle. Instead, we sacrificed the goblins to save ourselves. Now I'm sacrificing you to this knight as a gesture and as a warning. No one sacrifices the pride of the orcs. Not at Balish Pass, and certainly not here. The light that flicked in the mage's eyes went out. He slumped over, face first into the slow. Jonar turned back to the astonished knights. I was saying, I'm ready to offer terms. The knight commander was visibly shaken. I will not surrender my command to be slaughtered by you brutes. I'd rather die with honor. The mites immediately around their commander tightened their grasp on their shields, weapons, and reins. The mounts shifted under them. Jonah nodded thoughtfully. Fair enough. Then I will offer you this. You may take your command, what is left of it, and return home. All I ask is you surrender your battle standard. Sir Michan sat with his mouth slightly open in surprise. He caught himself and traded his posture. Very well, General. You've beaten us in fair comment. My honor demands that I do no less. I accept your terms. So that was our second story in red. Uh, the Crucible of the Orcs by Don Perrin. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time for another story. Thanks, guys. Later.